now we're going. Hello. Hello. It's Prophets of the Multiverse. Yes, it is. Hey, Evie. Hi, Mom. <laughs> I don't know for a second what your name was because my brain's on. Oh, okay. Sleep mode. Right. You've been getting a, a lot of rest, finally. We have been getting a lot of rest. Oh, my God. So much sleep. It's been fantastic. Oh, here comes Tiger. Ow! Hold an ass. Kind of hey. angry about it. I look on his face. Well, you can need time. I'd say too. Well, that's that's how tiger do. Can you purr for us? I don't think he's gonna purr yet. He's cleaning his teeth right now, so to speak. Mm hmm. Apex predator. Oh, <laughs> coming my way. Oh yeah. Apex Predator. So what has been going on? Oh, um, other than the wonderful stormy weather. Oh my god. Stay off my sternum. Let's be clear, you're talking, you're talking to the cat, not me. Right. Come on. <coughs> um, just getting ready for... I, is this a buffer? Does it have sound like this when I'm talking to the kitty? Anyway. Sound like you're a McDonald's drive thru employee. <laughs> okay. No, I don't want apple pie. <laughs> okay, um. And right in the balls. Right on, yeah. Talking to the cat once again, I should be clear. <laughs> yeah, he's. Tiger on the move. <clears throat> I didn't like being yelled into like a McDonald's drive thru microphone. I'm gonna go over here. And put my paws in put my paws in my dad's big fat gut. Now we're purring. Come on. Hey, hey. Purring, purring. Tiger. So as far as reading stuff, um, I know I kind of wimped out last time because I no you were worked to the bone and yeah. you were extremely tired. And uh, well, let me just explain. Uh, well, let me explain. It's go on. I have to work a mentor forty hours this, this month. Right. Yeah, and it's to do it next month too, which is not gonna happen since I'm gonna be away. Yeah. Uh you might have to do a podcast on location next <laughs> next month. I don't know what we're gonna do. We might just let's see if we I, I don't know. We can do this with a speakerphone. Not really, we do this on my phone. I can do it through a computer probably. I suppose, but I mean we're already kinda low risk, you know. <laughs> I mean, I could just, okay, I thought about doing it by myself. Why are you in paws? You needle paws. Needle paws. Once again, she's talking to a cat. Everybody knows what needle paws are. Everybody that has You would has think a, that. I don't, I, don't, I don't take care of my nails that much. But I, I just want you to sit. You're the old man at Shoney's that just stands near the fucking pudding. Nobody knows why he's there. He doesn't know why he's there. Shoney's? Yeah, I don't know why that came to mind. Probably Rick and Morty. I was just going to say, is there a show he's near? I don't think there is. No, hasn't been for a long time. 
Sit, just sit. Just sit, you old furt. The look he's giving you. He's like, I want to get up. I don't know why. I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do it. And it looks, and it looks like, fuck you, mommy. I'll do whatever I want. Yeah, more or less. But, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah. That he wants to climb the Himalayas. He might. Which is what I prefer your boobs as. Yes. Um. Oh, I thought about fucking on me again. I just don't feel like it, sir. Oh, God. I just don't feel like it. He really doesn't give a fuck. I don't, there we go. Okay. Um, I thought about just recording the podcast and then you'd be able to listen to it while you're away. Mm-hmm. Thought about surprising you like that. I don't know what I would do. Or you can just record my phone conversations on the podcast and I can be oh. talking right there. No, <laughs> I don't want to do that to you. That seems like a dirty trick. <laughs> Doesn't it? What do you think, Avi? I wanted to talk about that super sensitive thing that you have never liked talking about. I want to talk about it right now. <coughs> so many miles away, now's a good time to talk about it. Yeah. I have the background noises of my parents. I don't even know what that background noise would be like. Oh, let's put it this way. You, you watch Seinfeld, right? <laughs> yeah. Remember George's parents? Yeah. That. Okay. So, um, what are we doing today? Um, well, I know it's your week to read your work. Um, firstly, what? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Doing whatever he wants. Uh, firstly, October is close. And there's Righttober and Preptober. So, Righttober is based off of Inktober. Okay. Right. Um, so, Inktober. Right isn't writing it down, not raising right wing or anything like that. Oh my god. No. <laughs> Inktober. I'll talk into you like a McDonald's mic. Thank you. Just thought he was going to stand right there. Um, Inktober is you get a prompt for every day and you're supposed to sketch and and ink a a drawing or whatever. They decided the writer equivalent is going to be 50 words a day based on the same prompt. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you didn't expect that little jujitsu move for whatever the fuck you're doing. He's purring through all of this. Um, and then Preptober is something that people are doing specifically for Nano. But I looked through the Preptober list, and it's all things that I would rather put in my word count. So, I mean, I've done things like Preptober. It makes sense. I'm sure a lot of people will do it and find value in it. I'm waiting this year to let that. Uh, stream of consciousness fly for me but um i'll be i'm doing my bullet journal pretty hardcore so i can get ahead of doing my planning for prompts and word counts and things like that and such it's nice that you didn't think about that stuff in october hold up no i can't i just got other things to think about yeah, yeah, I know. You're, you have family obligations and 
and such. That's putting it mildly. Mm hmm. We're probably going to be a glorified babysitter. Yeah. Slash chauffeur. Slash bitch. Slash everything. It's like being in. You know what is really funny? Was before I took care of my family, uh, I'd always said I'd love to have an Alfred. Well, I, then I became Alfred, so now I don't say shit like that anymore. Because mm -hmm. uh, I, I'd want an Alfred. No, no, then I became the one that does absolutely everything and tells Batman they're ready for you, you know. Although an Alfred right now could be kick ass. Yeah, I know, but I get where you're going. Yeah. With that new series, but. We got him. Incoming. There he is. Right in the balls. Well, it's the soft spot for them tender little paws. Them tender old damn paws. Also, the warm spot for a dog. It's just the warm spot. It's the soft spot, the warm spot, and your scent ID. It's your crotch wallet. <laughs> okay, so that being said, mm -hmm. who's gonna read first? You or me? Um, should be you because you didn't do it last time. I know. I know it should be me. <coughs> now I'll do it now while I got him on my lap. On my lap. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. see if this helps since I'll be reading okay do we remember where we left off uh, Joseph main character he goes out of town he meets a gentleman um, okay ready great he knew of the diner it sat off a major highway interchange. Joseph knew where to park and how far to walk. It was an enjoyable espionage. When the inside came into view, he saw Hamilton sitting alone, two plates and two cups on the table in front of him. These moments always made him want to turn back, leave this in the future realm of the possible. Everything he was afraid of, every sensation he anticipated would be perfect imaginings. Being human always won out, despite the feeling of betrayal he couldn't shake. Joseph pushed open the glass door, pulling on the string that strained the coil metal ringing the bell. Only two other people were there, and they both looked up at him. Hamilton raised his head from newspaper and smiled. Then he rose and put his hand out, proper for straight gentlemen with business, a safe, public test of intimacy. Joseph slid his palm against Hamilton's, wrapping his thumb around, his finger cascading into formation. He preferred a firm grip to match his own. Confidence is key. The charade is for everyone else. I want you to see me. Is Hamilton, uh... That's the guy he met. Is he, uh, homosexual? Yeah. 
doesn't need to happen. No, I'm just wondering. Um, I'm picturing all of my head to get your scribe. Name of diner. Is it a hangout for vampires? I don't know yet. You know what, you only know what this is about because I told you what this was about ahead of time. Yes. Uh, that it was specifically a vampire book. However, these two gentlemen, I have not said the word vampire yet. And I really haven't even said homosexual. I kind of got that from the Right. Right, it doesn't need to be said word. Okay, all right. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. All right. The coffee steam was fading. Hamilton had broken up his piece of cherry pie with his fork. Crumbling islands floated on the red gelatinous ocean. Joseph pulled a cherry, a coated cherry out of his pastry. Sirk slipped down, landing in a pool that draped over the crust, still whole. He put the fork in his mouth, sliding out silently between his lips. The cherry collapsed easily with his tongue. It was too sweet. He felt far away from home. This was too new. Joseph's foot started started to wiggle under the table. That's a typo. He arranged the fork perfectly per uh, perpendicular to the plate. He looked up at Hamilton, watching him, then smiling. Hamilton picked up the lead, starting the conversation. Joseph played along, the two of them exchanging double entendres and veiled admissions, an intrigue that Joseph loved to play, the dance before a kiss. The lapse back into silence let him think how he felt sorry for men who did not have the stamina for the game, their undeserved punishment from society. Going under the radar during his daylight hours was second nature. Being out like this made him watch people more, guessing every movement, gesture, glance they could make. Right now he felt he was being watched outside of the glass, the fluorescent light giving no opportunity for shadow. Again he looked up from his thoughts to see Hamilton watching him. I don't know that I need that again there. What are you wondering what are they talking about? Hmm? What's the dialogue? They haven't had dialogue yet, it's just been a tense interchange. <clears throat> you might wanna shorten that a little bit because you get get to the point eventually because The point for the conversation. So that's your note. Get to the point. You are very want more. Want more talk. You're very descriptive. You're very descriptive, and that's fantastic. I'm making a frowny face. No, I'm gonna go on. What? Not criticizing. No, I don't. I'm not making a frowny face out of being butt hurt. Mm -hmm. I'm making a frowny face because. Yeah, I could put in the small talk bullshit, how you doing? Mm -hmm. But I think these two paragraphs of them playing around it emotionally, or specifically from Joseph's perspective, I think that carried more weight for me. I agree, but depending on your audience, it also makes them lose focus. Well, do you 
Do you think I should tell the story, or do you think I should tell what people want to hear? Tell the story. I mean, I could... I've, I've read... I've read authors that explain everything. Mm-hmm. And I can't stand it. Personally, I can't stand it. There, this particular author is extremely popular mm-hmm. and has been recommended to me several times. One book I read was exceptionally good. Everything else was pedantic. Okay. In that he, they just took you by the hand and walked you through the whole thing. So anything that I had been uh, looking forward to or was gleaning on my own, nope, no. They walked right through it. So, I mean, I... I made the note. I, I made the note. I don't agree, but I made the note. Okay. Alright. <coughs> Let me walk you to your car, Hamilton said. Joseph dabbed the remaining syrup from his lips and got out of the booth first. Hamilton threw out cash and stood, putting on his cuffs and putting on his hat. It's a double put. Okay. Joseph thought he moved slow, afraid he was antagonizing the other patrons. One of the strangers looked up. Hamilton tipped his hat. The stranger looked to Joseph. He didn't tip his hat, considering the man already, ad- uh, considering the man already addressed. Was was was. Typo. He felt a look cross the man's face. Joseph felt naked from the disruption of custom. Enforcing his hand to keep steady, he pulled his hat downward instead of just tipping it, making him remove it and put it back on again. Did that sound like a a symbol gesture? No. Shit. No, I just, maybe you're not seeing it how I thought I was describing it. The further, further or farther? Further. The further they got from the diner, the more Joseph was able. Oh, no, the far, the farther that case. <sighs> well, I had a, I farther. Hmm? I've been hurt with some of this. That's, That's okay. Confusing. That's why I asked. <clears throat> the farther they got from the diner, the more Joseph was able to let his posture slack, his hands swing at his sides. The absence of light did not hide Hamilton. He seemed to attract light, somehow pulling it in from all around, reflecting it back in his eyes. A dim, cold light that Joseph felt himself repeatedly trapped in. Well, this is me, in the wide expanse of the parking lot, before the semis, and between the glow of the taillights, Joseph's black deville set apart from all other vehicles. Beside the highway, other drivers were oblivious, rapidly passing by. Hamilton moved in close, putting his hand behind Joseph against the car. They alternated, staring at the other's eyes and lips. Joseph closed the distance, putting his lips against Hamilton's. They were not warm, something he attributed to the walk in the night air. The thinking of it and the action made Joseph's face grow warm, heating up his lips enough for both of them. Hamilton came close, taking Joseph's hips in his hands, a hard grip that could turn cold a diamond. So, is Joseph a closet homosexual? Mm-hmm. I mean, um... <sighs> Like, there's so many gradient variations of closet. He has He's, a double life. He has a double life. Yes. Okay. You just 
see what smoothie they were in. <laughs> God, no. Sure didn't. Joseph put his hands inside Hamilton's jacket, wrapping his hands around to his back. He was hard all over, the way... Oh, the thought softening Joseph to open his mouth and let him in. Seconds passed before either would breathe. When Joseph did, it was shallow, afraid to take too much water in, afraid to drown. Hamilton was the first to pull away. I have to see you again. He nodded in agreement. Next Sunday night, Joseph pulled his hands back, his mind feeling disconnected, his head empty of everything but this guided thought. Next Sunday night, Joseph held his breath until he got into his car. Only then did he try to get his breathing under control. Excited and lonely, he spent the rest of the night alone in his den. I mean, I'll go on, but thoughts? Um, very interesting. Very colorful. It tells a sad, a kind of sad tale that people, you know, two people who can't, you know, come out of the world and say, hey. Yeah. I assume, I assume when the leader's crime was Hamilton was the woman in the, in, in the relationship. I don't... He's the Jack Twist, so, so to speak. Jack Twist? What is that? I've never heard that term. Uh, the Fleshback Mountain. Oh. Uh, He's the Jake Gyllenhaal. I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought about it like that. And if I did at one time, I've forgotten... But it was really important to me that I not... He's somebody who's more, he's more sensitive to... It was very important to me specifically to not buy into trope of this is a man and this is a woman role. Mm -hmm. These are two men. Mm -hmm. I tried to be very conscious of that. So if, if there is a, a submissive psychologically submissive role. I, I don't recall. It's been so long since I've messed with this. But for me to out and out say, you know, male B is a woman, I don't, I don't care for that. Okay. I understand what you're saying, and I don't care for it. So <clears throat> I, uh, I'm glad that you don't know. That means I feel like I did my job with my viewpoint. Cool. Okay. A hot bath made him think of soup, when water gets milky with soap and darker with grime. His arms draped over the sides of the tub, the water was starting to lose steam. He hadn't talked to Amanda since dinner. She danced around spending time, oh, I'm sorry, she danced around spending time with Joseph more often than not, leaving her open to social appearances. He asked her one day, do you really like all these hobbies? Amanda looked at him, her face upturned from a large wooden hoop, strangling a burgeoning floral pattern. Her eyes were on him, but as usual, her mind seemed elsewhere. He smiled and put his hand on her shoulder. It looks lovely. Amanda smiled and looked back down. The soft whisper of thread traveling back and forth spoke for her when turning pages and the sewing machine didn't. He listened to her wander around, moving her needlepoint project back and forth, picking up her purse from the table by the front door, the door closing and locking behind her. Joseph sunk further into the water... <coughs> letting it fold over his shoulders and wet the back of his hair. His only hobby lately was the stern discipline of falling in love with Hamilton. Now I assume Amanda is his wife. 
Uh, well, yeah, like I, it's been like two weeks since I've read anything, but it's in here pretty yeah. blatant. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Um, if you naive. Um. I I don't know how to answer that because um. I've I've changed my opinion on spoilers as of late because I used to be don't tell me anything I want to be surprised. Oh, I'm trying to switch around and get coffee. Um but lately my opinion has been I already know what's going to happen. Everybody's already written every idea. It's telling me is not going to take away the joy of me experiencing it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So now I I don't understand if I should tell you things now that I'm going to tell you later. Even though I read in such short bursts that there's really no continuity of memory for this for you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know what's fair and not fair. Um, define naive. Oblivious to what's going on. She's not. That's my question. Okay. After several Sunday nights of coffee-fueled trysts, Hamilton promised something special. Joseph looked through the bathroom door to the new burgundy shirt hanging in the bedroom. Would it be too soon for this to become an all-out affair? No, Joseph thought, smiling at the shirt hanging in wait. Not too soon, not too soon. His mind chugged with the rail cars as he waited to pass into the next town. His usually empty lot was occupied. Joseph parked side Hamilton's car and rolled down his window. Come on, I have everything arranged. His smile was thin and closed. His eyes gave more away, pushing light towards Joseph. When he sat down, he noticed his burgundy cuffs, glinting his promise to enjoy whatever was to come. When Hamilton put the car in gear, he reached for Joseph's hand. Joseph turned his hand over, letting him fill his palm with weaved fingers, thumb against the back of his hand. He had hoped they would go far, but the drive didn't seem as long as it should have. I may have wasted that time watching his hands, Joseph thought. When he looked up, he didn't recognize where they were. Joseph relaxed back in his seat, letting the jolt of road-to-driveway jostle him. It was small for a bed and breakfast, mostly unlit this time of night. It looked as though the front hall light was competing with the porch light for dominance. Hamilton turned the car off. Still holding his hand, he turned it in his seat to face him. I've already got in the room. I hope you'll forgive me, but I didn't want to keep playing the game in public. I wanted some moments for us. I couldn't agree more. Joseph pulled away from his hand, reaching to get out of the car. Wait. Hamilton opened his jacket, pulling out the key, holding in his palm. Go ahead and go in first. I will be right behind you. Joseph sighed, taking the key out of his hand, the metal still cold, a room number tag hanging off the end. When he got out of the car, Hamilton did get out until Joseph had made it to the first step up to the porch. The facade was Victorian in the way anything can be Victorian. Embellishment on each peak, flowers where there didn't need to be flowers, things overly ornate in tiny spaces, the large decorative door knocker on a single front door. He opened the door into a small hallway, a tiny round table, a vase with two flowers, a hanging lamp instead of a chandelier. It was trying to be cute, but instead was quaint. Like most bed and breakfasts. Oh, okay. I've never been to a bed and breakfast, so I'm glad to hear that that's spot on. I've never been to a bed and breakfast. I've never 
Well, there's, you know, here in the information age, you, you read them and you see pictures and all that. You've got a sleeping tiger. I'm so happy. An elderly lady looked up and turned on her sideways glance. Hamilton had come up behind him, shutting the door. She looked at the lack of personal space between two men. Her nostrils flared and her mouth turned down. Hamilton looked her dead on and nodded to her black book on the podium. <laughs> Just see that alpha movement, like... Um... Is she doing that because she's, like, as homosexual? Well, let me, let me get through, um... Hang, hang on. I don't know if I, if that's my only... I, she's a Ben and Breakfast in another town. She's not going to turn down money, but she knows why they're there. And, but that doesn't mean that she likes it. Well, I mean, they're not there just to fuck. Well, they don't need breakfast or vampires. I didn't say anybody was a vampire. Have I said that yet? Have no. I even alluded to that? No. Alright. Now. Okay. She went back to reading a magazine. He took Joseph by the elbow and led him to the stairs. Small patterned wallpaper guarded the walls from visitors. Down the hall, with the rickety railing, to the right stood a single door. Hamilton locked it behind him. Joseph stood next to the foot of the Hollywood bed. In the room, the bedspread and the wallpaper, even the lampshade, looked like they were in contest for the tiniest flower print prize. Joseph pulled, uh, pulled on his cufflinks, twisting them, feeling the fabric turn under his fingers. He looked from bed to lampstand to wall, landing on Hamilton. They locked eyes for the first time since the car. Hamilton's reach looked to exceed his ability, grabbing Joseph's jacket and pulling him closer. For a second, Joseph looked past Hamilton's eyes, into the physical reality of what they were, empty jewels reflecting light from other sources. Joseph opened his mouth to speak. Hamilton connected. Suit jackets and shirts came undone. Belt and shoes tumbled astray. Silk slipped away from the heat. The night was half over before they lay still next to each other. Thank you. I don't like gratuitously describing sex. I, I do go on to describe sexual acts, but they serve a... This is just how I feel about sex and writing, is that if you're showing sex as intimacy, don't be crude about it. But if the sex is a plot, move on, then yeah, show me point, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also, when I uh, noticed you look close my eyes, I'm picturing what, you, what, you, what you're describing. <laughs> Yay! Okay. Here comes some conversation. I'm seeing, actually, I'm seeing them both right now like this. Post-coitus, you know? Yeah. The post-coitus in. Okay. Whoa. I see you have a wedding ring. I've never been brave enough to ask. Hamilton propped up on his elbow, using his other hand to, twi other hand to twist the band back and forth around Joseph's finger. Joseph pulled his hand back, twisting his ring a few more times in quick succession. He sat up, leaning over the side of the bed. Then he walked to the bathroom and turned on the shower. Joseph tried to take it slow, taking time to wash his hair twice. When he came back into the room, he moved the removed towel. Wait. 
three. Moved. Okay. He removed the towel from his hair to see that only five minutes passed. Ham uh, Hamilton was still propped up. His opposite arm was pulled behind him. His hand wrapped around his narrow hip. Most of his legs were showing after what looked like a lazy attempt to cover himself. Joseph pulled on his slacks, leaving them undone to reach for his shirt. There's nothing to be brave about. She knows about this. She knows about us? Hamilton's voice raised slightly. His face stayed serene. I didn't say that. Joseph turned to gauge his reaction. She doesn't want to know when I date. She can't love you that much if she's okay with giving you up every night. He reclined back down and folded his arm over his head like a snake deciding against the strike. I don't know what kind of background you come from, but ours is very conservative. We protect each other. His words straightened his posture. Protect each other for love, you mean. Hamilton sat up, the sheet gathered around his waist. Joseph closed his eyes, bowing his head down. When you've seen what love brings, you would like to. Maybe someday you can explain that to me. Now it's time for breakfast. When Joseph finished buttoning his shirt, Hamilton slid off the bed, letting the bedsheet cling and trail behind him. His shower was much shorter, but dressing was longer. Joseph watched him dress slow, his mind silent. What's Joseph thinking? What do you mean? His mind was silent. Why? Was he admiring the... Um... Probably part of it. Breakfast was docile and plain, and public. They tinked glasses and flatware among the other silent patrons, shuffling their fruit and scrambled eggs. Some ignored them. A few gave sideways glances. One man's face was contorted above a mug that didn't make it to his mouth. Joseph glared. His forkful of peach slice stopped in mid-ascent. Hamilton looked up from his coffee at Joseph, then turned his head to the guy over his shoulder. The man shifted his gaze to Hamilton, then the woman across his table. He look, His look finally turned back to his own breakfast. Hamilton turned back to Joseph. He made an O with his index finger and thumb, then inserted the opposite index finger. Joseph felt hot coffee get stuck to the back of his throat and coughed it out into a napkin. Ham yeah. Hamilton smiled and went back to his coffee. I skipped a penetration symbol for the one. Yes, yes. Well, I just described it, mm -hmm. so if the description didn't go through, then I need to know that. Okay. The drive was somber. Joseph's... Be a little more clear. Huh? Be a little more clear. Well, no, I don't need to be more clear. You got it. I even saw him kind of laugh. You got it. I don't need to be more clear. Okay. The drive was somber, Joseph's car edging its way into view. Holding hands no longer felt liberating. Still holding on, Joseph continued to stare down his own car. This is the hardest part, knowing it can never go past this, he thought. He could never hurt a good woman for a passionate man. Letting Hamilton let go of his hand, causing Joseph to start and look over. I hate to leave you so soon, but every time is going to be too soon. Hamilton leaned over and kissed him too briefly to be called lingering. Joseph didn't utter another word until he got home and smelled Amanda's breakfast in his own kitchen. Um, Where's the shit piece of sticky things he had just pulled on? That does get addressed. Okay. 
Okay, here's just a, another segment, and then there's an after break. Okay. Hamilton liked to, liked to hotel hop. That's a lot of H's. Alliteration. Honestly, if there was a... hotels. If there was a boxcar to hell, it would be alliteration for me. I fucking love alliteration. Mm -hmm. Okay. This time they ended up in a larger city where everything is available, and Hamilton assured him there are plenty of gay men to be found. They won't stick out. Here you go. I used the word gay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Joseph laughed nervously while putting his toothbrush on the bathroom counter, knowing this meant he must have found a few on his own already. Before he returned to the room, he made sure to clear the suspicion on his face. He sat on the edge of the bed, feet flat, knees wide apart, reaching to Joseph and pulling him down beside him. I may not have much longer to stay, so I wanted to. The phone started. The phone ringing startled them both, the hands jumping in unison. Hamilton didn't break Joseph's gaze before his poorly hidden look of horror flooded his hard eyes. The second ring pulled his attention away in the slow turn of his head. Joseph stood up, walking to the other side of the room, and leaned across the table leaned across the table set, peek out of the window. The caller's voice seemed to come out like a soft gravel and what little noise Joseph could pick up. He let the heavy drape collapse back as he turned around. I am busy, Hamilton, cut off in conversation, leaned over and rested his elbow on his knees. His free hand massaged his forehead, causing skin to press against the receiver still against his ear. No, I understand. How long do I have? Whatever the answer was, it was sufficient enough to end the conversation without further comment. Hamilton put the receiver on the base and returned his arm to his knee, his head down. Somber, Hamilton addressed Joseph. I need to take you to your car. Is there a way I can get a hold of you? Joseph looked at Hamilton, the dip between his shoulder blades pronounced, his hair covering his face. He refused to speak until he could see his eyes. When Hamilton looked up, all traces of their passion was gone. He was a cold, empty receptacle for whatever was just delivered on the phone. Joseph looked for the cause of the worry, but no line or color, color of emotion betrayed him. His own face flushed as he pulled a business card out of his wallet and wrote his home number on the back. I hope everything is all right. Joseph sacrificed his privacy on the back of the card, holding it out like an offering to an angered god. Hamilton's, exp Hamilton's expression cleared, his eyes flashing their former lumens. Of course. Chapter. It seems like, uh... This whole thing basically a love story. In that there are so many different kinds of love. Okay. <clears throat> you left out on an intriguing note, which is what what happened when I got in my phone. Um kinda makes you want to I wouldn't mind, and I hope they hear it soon, some background about these dudes. That was chapter one. Yes, I remember that. That just ended chapter one because I'm a giant wussy and scared to death of my own writing, and it's so much easier to sit and write in your own head and, <clears throat> and do any crazy wackadoo thing that you want. And, uh, but then when you read it, Look out. it, yep, incoming tiger. But then when you read it, it's, um, it's so much more scary to give away that kind of, to expose that. 
Meow. I know it's meow. <laughs> I'm steaming up his forehead. So, I know I don't um, linger in the realm of conversation. Um, but it's coming. Okay. Um, for some reason, I've got chapter two noted over here. I don't know why, but that seems like a little far ahead. It seems like we covered a lot of ground in chapter one. Is that where we go? What? Um. Oh. Oh, you're going to love that. You're going to love that. Oh boy. I'm excited to start reading this chapter to you when chapter two shit gets fast. I'm okay. excited. I'm excited. So, okay. So, do you feel like there should have been more dialogue? I mean, I feel like it was, um, in justifying my lack of dialogue, I do, I do do a better job of description. Yes, you do. Um, I, I feel like in this situation, their dialogue should have been brief. Um, more was said mm -hmm. with gesture and perception. In that case, it's understandable. I just feel like more was said that way. But you're also being more secretive, too. Thank you. Yes. Yes. It was very secretive and mysterious and um, new. You know, I mean, can you imagine? It's already scary to date somebody when you don't have to worry about the entirety of society. You know, could fucking kill you for it. It's already scary to date out in the open in a socially acceptable way. Yeah. So I can't imagine what kind of covert. It just it just made me think this is all very fucking James Bond. It is a matter of life and death for these two men. Mm. You know, but you love who you love. You want what you want. You just can't deny what you want. It doesn't matter if you want a fucking popsicle, if you want another man, if you want to live in the Poconos. It doesn't matter. Mm. You want what you want. Yeah. And you can fight it. And some people make it work. And some people don't. But in this case, they have to be secretive about it. Yes. Yes, they do. It's, they, Joseph is successfully doing this. So I feel like that the fear and the sense of espionage and the things that he has to do to stay under wraps maybe necessitated not so much dialogue in chapter one. Okay. I don't know why I made a kiss right. I don't think you can explain when you wrote it. Okay, so what do you know? Well, let's stop for a second and I'll get right into my part. Fantastic. See if I can get a, a segue meow out of him. Okay. Do you want it up? 
Yeah. It's on. I think I've got a long enough cord to do this. Okay, yeah, you do. That's fantastic. Okay. Excuse me, sir. 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 Sir, I need you to. I need you to. Over here. Well, you can be pissed off, or you can just come here. Come on. Well, why are you Why are you mad about it? Come on. The tiger had to be removed from my lap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the Henderson Experience, Chapter Three. Okay, now, uh, I just found out in the previous chapter, I met my first two, my first two housemates. Mm-hmm. Actually, my, 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 my first two, <coughs> they're my neighbors. Um, I found out that the house is on probation. Mm-hmm. I also had to change a course because of some clusterfuck between my advisors. Mm-hmm. So now we're on chat three. <coughs> As the days passed by, more guys started moving into Henderson. There were three days left until the start of the school year. And this was the time when the majority of the students moved back. On campus. During that time, I met more than 15 incoming freshmen and 20 returning seniors. These guys came from all over the country, and to say that they were different was pretty mildly. That typo there. Take, for example, the freshman twins from Maine. Brock and Evan Henry. These two are probably identical. Same shoulder-length brown hair, same brown goatee, same Iron Man t-shirts, and they had the same sinister-looking smile on their faces. Now, these are Iron Man or Black Sabbath Iron Man? Iron Maiden. Thank you. Sorry. They looked something like They looked like something that Stephen King created after spending the night tripping on LSD. I should probably reword that. They looked like a Stephen King creation. You know. After he spent the after he spent the night. Well, but what kind of Stephen King creation? Because. When you say that, I specifically think of the kind of delinquent kids that he'll make up. You know what I mean? The Sisters from The Shining. 
I, I'd probably be more direct with your reference. There's such a wide universe of Stephen King stuff. If you're thinking of the Sisters from The Shining, then I would outright say it. <coughs> because that's that's actually really great. These two teenage boys remind you of two creepy girls that hold hands while blood flows around them. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of remind me of the girls from The Shining. The twins... Twin, twins are from the Shining. Though they didn't say, come play with us. Uh, that being said, the moment I met these guys, I thought they were awesome. Especially Brock. I first met him that Friday afternoon. Lynn is walking past his dorm room and noticed he was drawing a large castle on the wall. What is that? I asked. He turned to me and gave what me a kind of castle. I'll get to that. Oh. He turned to me and gave me a look as if I had three heads in my body. I'm I'm drawing I'm, I'm hope I'm saying this right. I'm drawing the Punera Castle, the castle of Vlad III Dracula, who was the inspiration of Bram Stoker's Dracula character. Mm. He explained. I'm a big fan of Stoker's. He was a genius who was ahead of, who was ahead of his time. I could tell he wasn't lying about being a member of the Bram Stoker fan club. His room was filled with books and objects and mystical stuff. There were little statuettes of warlocks and dragons everywhere. Does your roommate know you're doing this? I asked. I told him I was drawing a castle whether he liked it or not. He said, I'm leaving this room too, you know. He reluctantly agreed to let me do it. <coughs> wow. Check out the balls in this cat, thought. I have to admit, though, despite all the weird crap in his room, he really had a talent for drawing. With his attention to detail, the color, and illustration, he could turn the portrait of a dead deer carpet into a masterpiece. Brock Henry had been drawing since he was old enough to hold a pencil. Coming from a family that ate, the brothers didn't have much growing up. Past the time they developed special talents. For Brock, that was drawing. Evan, on the other hand, was an expert in Taekwondo. I also noticed that he seemed to enjoy walking around the house topless. <coughs> I liked him because he was a kindred free spirit who didn't have a care in the world. people thought of him. One reason why I hit it off with Brock right away was that he had one one common interest music. One album in particular caught my attention while I was checking out his room. Holy shit, you have the killer CD by Alice Cooper, I said, a tone of shock. It was rare to see anyone under the age of 40 with one of Alice Cooper's albums. Dude, I think he's awesome, Brock said. He really knows how to put on a good show. Plus, he's a great singer, a lot better than Marilyn Manson anyway. Her face is twitched right there. I love Jay Manson, I I know. Mm. 
Now, I'm a closet Alice Cooper fan, have been for years. I love the song Billion Dollar Babies. I find this performance very factual and exciting. We kept talking for a few minutes before Rock's roommate, Adrian Robson, interrupted us. What the hell are you guys talking about? He asked. I glared at him with a look of crazy sarcasm. We're talking about the most underrated singer in the history of rock and roll, Alice Cooper, I said. Robson looked at us like we were Wayne and Garth from Wayne's World. He then took a deep breath and dove into, dove into his bed. You guys are geeks, he joked. I could have responded, but chose not to. I've always liked Robson's performance and everything because he was right 90% of the time. His personality was right my alley was right up my alley. And he has proved that you can have a clean lifestyle and still have a lot of fun. Born in Washington, D.C., Ronald was a vegetarian, never once drank alcohol or any drugs. Yet in the four years that he lived at Henderson, he caused more damage to the house than anyone else. This is the same kid who once broke down a room hall window while dropping pumpkins off the roof. On this day, Robson, who was also a photography major, was strolling around the campus with his camera and hosted meeting women. Did you get any nice shots? I asked. The look on his face already gave me the answer. Yes, I did, he said with a sarcastic grin. They got shots of cows, sheep, horses, but no chicks. I don't get it. The only women I saw were gray, fat, and old. I searched everywhere. Where are all the hot chicks at? A convent? While well, I listened to Robson rant, my, phone, my cell phone rang. It was my mother. Shit, I thought. What does she want now? <clears throat> Do you miss us yet? She asked. I thought about that for a second. The correct response would have been yes. But she always told me to be honest. Did you really have a cell phone? Yeah. What year was that? 88. Great to see. I didn't say it was a great cell phone. I didn't get a cell, I didn't get a cell phone until the fucking mid-aughts. So, okay. Well, it was around 99-2000, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Uh... <coughs> Actually, I'm going to rephrase that. That's probably not what I'm thinking about. It's probably more of my, my, my room phone. Let me do that. Or my phone ring. You had a room phone? We had, we, yeah, we had, land, we, had, we had room lines, yeah. Wow. I said to her, um, the truth hurts sometimes. Why would I ask? I said. It's only been a couple days. All of a sudden, I heard heavy breathing. I pissed her off. She sounded like a dragon who was about to torture small animals. After a small puff, she regained, after a few puffs, she regained her composure. Are there any extra supplies or books that you need? She asked. She asked.
No, I think I'm good. But I'm running out of strawberry pop tarts, I said. I can already tell what she was thinking. Oh my god, my son's only been gone for a few days and he's out, and he's out of food. If I don't help him now, he'll resort to cannibalism. I'll send you a check, she said. Oh, and don't forget, you have to attend the campus life conference tonight at Colin Hall. Crap. I forgot all about the conference. I was hoping to go bar hopping some of the upperclassmen. Instead of spending my family learning the hours in the library, I went to see the freshman girls. Got it, Mom. Lucky. I said, I said goodbye to the guys and decided to head back to my room for a quick nap. However, when I opened the door, I was quite surprised to see Gorgeous Blonde lying on bed. For a moment, I thought I was having a sexual fantasy. Then I noticed my roommate was in the room. All I heard Edward say was, Hi, Britt. How are... After that, all I heard was blah, blah, blah. As I turned my attention to this perky young woman who had a nice set of curves. She had shoveled hair and lips that were so pouty it would make Steven Tyler jealous. To, wear th to make things better, she was wearing a low-cut top and a, and a short black skirt. I tried my best to say hello. <laughs> I babbled. That's the only thing I can come I can get out of my mouth. Sorry, let me repeat. That's the only thing that I could get to come out of my mouth. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't talk and I couldn't move. I wasn't thinking straight. So when the inner voice in my yell, so when the inner voice in my head yelled, "Say something stupid," that's exactly what I said to her. Excuse me, she yelled. That stumped me out of my trance. Oh my god, I said in panic. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. I just get so nervous in front of certain women. What the hell was I saying? Make matters worse, I couldn't stop rambling. My certain women mean hotties like you. I said, wait, I didn't mean that. And I just stopped. She looked at me like as a child monster who found his next victim. I breathed, regained control of myself, and spoke again. Again, I'm sorry, I said. I just grew fully nervous in front of all women. I'm not like that. And I'll never talk to you like that again. Oh, and yes, I'm Brett. Very quiet so far. I, would you really be that forward, forthcoming with all the information? Would you really tell a woman that you're scared of women? I was not used to talking to women, so I did not know how to talk to women. So I was. I believe that. So I uh, was being fully honest. Oh. <clears throat> gotcha. Because I was told. Like I said. <laughs> yeah. They both busted out laughing. You got away with words, said with a chuckle. My name is Jesse. Kevin and I have been friends for years. Before she could say anything else, Edwards cut her off. 
She's more like my professional little sister, he said, with a wink and a nod in her direction. They have been friends since the eighth grade, when they were forced to work together for the school science fair. Their potato guns on third prize. Since then, Kevin and Martin just Simon have been inseparable. She was his lone cheerleader at his wrestling matches. When she had a bad breakup with the guy, Edward provided a shoulder to cry on. When it came time to apply for colleges, they decided to both go to the same school. That way, through thick or thin, they would always be there for each other. I swore to her parents that I would make sure she graduates in four years, he said. As he put his arm around Simon, brightly looking at the future fashion editor for Luke. Simon looked away for a second as her face blushed red like an apple. My friends always said that my clothing taste was trendy, and I have an eye for fashion, she explained. They have a good fashion program here. I figured I'd go for it. As I watched the two interact, I couldn't help but wonder why they weren't dating. They both liked to party, and they shared the same options and everything. I'm sorry if I interrupted anything, you guys, I, I said. I'm just looking, I was hoping to get a quick nap. I got in the mandatory meeting tonight. Campus life meeting, Edwards asked. We have to go there too. We're going to get something to eat first. Want to join us? I plotted to decline their invitation and told them I'll see them later. As soon as they shut the door, I jumped on the bed, put a pillow over my face, and fell asleep for five minutes. Once again, a strange noise managed to wake me up. This time, though, it wasn't the sound of two guys playing a video game. It was a strange voice. Do you feel? What the fuck? I said. I heard it again. Do you feel like I do? You're shaking your head. Mm -hmm. When I cleared the cobwebs out of my head, I realized the voice was from singer Peter Frampton. But when I last checked, Frank wasn't having a live concert outside my window. <clears throat> Some asshole from the first floor decided he wanted the whole universe to hear Franklin comes alive and cranked up the volume so loud my ears starting to bleed. I stormed downstairs and followed the music. It was coming from room six. I was determined to get this fucker to turn down the music. I knocked hard three times and then it opened, then it opened the door. It was only six foot ten and three hundred pounds of solid muscle. It had a forehead so wide you can watch the Star Wars trilogy on it. What do you want? it said in a threatening tone. I looked up to him and my heart fell to my ass. I'm sorry to interrupt you, I said while whipping the sweat up my head. But can you please turn on music? I'm trying to sleep. Please. He gave me a stare so fierce that my blood was starting to turn cold. Then in a split second, his face turned into a court gesture smile. I'm just fucking with you, man. He laughed. Sorry about the noise. Come on in, my name is Kurt. After my heart went back into my chest, 
took a deep breath and introduced myself. My name's Brett. I says we shook hands. And I'm sorry. But I really need some rest. So if you don't mind. Before I could finish the sentence, the beer in my hand and planted into one of his chairs. Nonsense, man. Kurt said. I spent the whole day moving in here. You're the first person I've seen. Sit down, relax. What do you think of my room? Judging from the clear night on his desk and the sheet music on his bed, and the posters of Jimi Hendrix and Metallica on the wall, one would assume that he was studying to be a magician. Let me guess, I said, you're going to be joining the school band and your music major. He looked at me like I was an idiot. The answer is no to both the subjects he said. I'm a chemistry major. What made you think I wanted to major in music? I started to laugh like crazy. The laughter eventually led to us talking about our goals and what we hoped to achieve at Richardson. It turns out Kurt Rogers was a pretty cool guy. An all-American basketball player from Trenton. Roberts is hoping to one day become a chemist for a major pharmaceutical company. His mission was to make a drug that cures cancer. It's a mission that, that hits pretty close to home for him. My sister Lori got leukemia when she was nine. Robert said she fought it for three years. When she died, she only weighed down to pound, about 70 pounds. The clarinet was his way of kicking back and relaxing. He also did something else to take the edge off. While we were talking, he casually looked up his mattress on his bed and pulled out a small bag of pot. Now, I've never done pot, and for a while I couldn't understand why I did it either. Some say, some say pot mouths people, but so does beer for me anyway. The beer was not only cheap, it was legal. Do you want to take a hit, man? Robert, Roberts asked. I declined and moved to the other bed. Beers make me sleepy. See so yourself, he said. Let's hit a different tune, shall we? He played uh, David Bowie's The Rise and, the Rise and Fall of the Thingy Stardust and Spider from Mars. And then for some reason Robert was starting to talk about his reactive sex life. But between the pot smoke and the alcohol, I wasn't able to concentrate. As the music played, I eventually passed out somewhere between Ziggy Stardust and Suffocate City. An hour later, I woke up and nearly shit my pants. Robert's alarm clock said it was 7.45, and the conference started at 8. Even more disturbing, I looked over and saw Robert, who was now wearing a thong, passed down in his bed. In his mouth was a clarinet, with all the weed shut the instrumentine. The stone was so stone, he thought the clarinet was a thong. Normally I would have laughed by the time. 
Holland Hall is two and a half miles away. And I had to run through two cow pastures to get there. Any comments so far? Uh, I don't know. Was that all accurate about the chemist major? I don't know. Sciencey guys seem to talk a lot more science about shit. He was out of the blockhead. Uh, I mean, literally, his head was like, I went through each fucking block. When I arrived, the conference was just starting. Luckily, Brock, Henry, and Robson had saved me an open seat in the back row. And as I went to sit down, I noticed Robson kept sticking his head above the crowd. Are you looking for something? I asked. He looked at me with a sick, twisted grin. Look at all the cuties in here. I'm definitely going to score with one of them. Oh, yeah. I rolled my eyes. Good luck, I said. Call me when that happens. <clears throat> the conference began with a public address on the Dean of Students, Ron Elliott. Elliot, a short middle-aged man, had been in the Dean for more than 15 years. I watched him speak, I wonder how a man who makes a lot of money on public wearing cheap brown toupee, sweater vests, and khaki shorts. Somebody needs to take care of Joseph A. Bank to get some new outfits. Freshmen and coming students, welcome to the beginning of your future, Elliot said. Over the next few years, you'll take an incredible journey on the road to success. You have to choose your path wisely. For three hours, Elliot and other campus officials talk about how students need to pace themselves. Don't take too many classes and bring yourself out one semester, they all said. They wanted to explain that too many students get overwhelmed and easily drop out of college within the first year. Why are they telling us this shit? said Henry. It's common sense. I can tell he's bored. He's trying to lose patience with him. Interim tourism is another fly. It makes sense to have this conference, but in some cases, the students have been known to commit suicide if they failed at school. Henry faced forward and shook his hand. Everybody is afraid about everything anymore, he said. Now we get to sleep for three hours because they're afraid someone might off themselves and the parents will sue the college for a hundred million dollars. Just then, a little red-haired girl sitting in front of us turned around and looked as she's about to ready to punch Henry in the face. Would you shut the hell up? She said. This is important information. I can't hear because of you. Henry just slumped down in his chair. When the conference ended, I decided I wanted to ask Henry a few questions. I know I sound like a frown nose, but I thought it was important for the professors and the school administrators to get to know me. I felt that if they knew I was trying to succeed, it would help me learn better in the classroom. <coughs> I approached Elliot, and just as well opened my mouth, cut me off. Sorry, Sonny explained. I don't take any questions. If you want to talk, schedule an appointment. I 
enough time right now for you. I stood there aghast. Henry Robson waiting for me saw what happened. What a fucking asshole, Robson said. He couldn't answer one fucking question. We went back to the house thinking that college life, maybe college life wasn't going to be all that great. I was embarrassed. Henry was still sulking. And Robson struck out with the ladies. What a way to spend a Friday night, I thought. <clears throat> when we arrived back at the house, we noticed there were a lot more cars parked out front. There was a big note in the front door which said, House meeting for incoming students and upperclassmen. 9 p.m. Sunday. Attendance is mandatory, and mandatory is in all caps. As we entered, I looked down the first floor hallway and noticed there's a lot of commotion going on. Apparently, a majority of the upper class were moving back in. They were also partying in the process. As we checked things out, tall, skinny, blonde guy with a server deep personality approached us. Woo! You must be the new guys, he said. I'm Tom Perry, the house president. I just stared at Perry, who was wearing a gold on wife beater, Adidas shorts and sandals. I didn't know what to make of him. <clears throat> house president, I asked. None of the returning students told me there would be a house president, so we didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah, I'm the leader here, Perry said. Myself and the rest of the officers are the house representatives for the dean for the housing administration. That way, if we need anything, such as promoting players' supplies, it'll get done. Having officers here also helps ensure the house runs smooth. Robson baffled. There were officers here, he said. Pat, uh, Perry just gave him a drunken smile and pat on the shoulder. Calm down, buddy, Perry said. I don't mean police officers. People who are in charge of certain things. I'll explain all about it in the meeting on Sunday. Come on, let me introduce you to some of the guys. We met a whole bunch of characters that night. There was <laughs> Tiger's input. <laughs> there was Junior Chuck Johnson. If you wanted a porno, he was the man to see. The self-proclaimed porn king had hundreds of adult magazines, videos, and other porn paraphernalia in his room. <clears throat> I always wondered during the one year I knew that I knew him why he never left his room. Johnson's roommate was Gary Arnold, a 32-year-old army vet who fought in the storm. This is true. Despite the fact that he always looked pissed off, Arnold was in fact a very nice guy. While Henry and Roberts were talking to those guys, I noticed that Roberts was standing in the doorway, you know, standing in the doorway of room 10 down the hallway. He was waving me over. Dude, check this room out, he said. You won't fucking believe this. <coughs> I 
headed down the hallway and when I entered the room I was awestruck. To the right of the room were two closets. One's up against the wall filled with alcohol. The alcohol was hidden behind clothes hanging in the front. The second closet was lying down on the side in front of the first closet. The back of the closet, second closet was facing the other side of the room and doors were removed. On the other side of the second closet was more liquor. It looked like a Kenner. Then I thought, this can't be what I think it is. Can it? Is this, is this a bar? I asked. The guy behind the counter, Mark Bosch, gave me a windowless smile. What do you think, said Bosch, who was junior. Me and my roommate, uh, my roommate over here, Bill McCurry, thought about doing this last year. But the illustration was eyes like a hawk. This year we figured, fuck it. I wondered how they were going to get away with this. Boss did every student at Richardson had the right to design the room however they saw fit. Just as long as they were furniture remained in good condition when they left. They also have to make sure there's no alcohol in the room at the time of fire inspections. You guys are geniuses, I said, as I pulled a stack of, I pulled a stack of milk crates, which is being used as a stool, to the counter. Just let's just make sure our resident director doesn't find out. McCurry said, okay. I agreed and they gave me a beer. Then we hung up for a while. While we were talking, I thought it was funny that McCurry and Bosch were roommates because they were complete opposites. McCurry worried about everything, and Bosch was completely laid back. McCurry liked pop music, Bosch was more for heavy metal. But they both shared one thing in common they both loved Lillian, they both loved Lillian Henderson. We laughed about it now because last year we weren't supposed to be here, McCurry said. Housing ran a dorm space, so we're placed here. After one week, we decided which other we're staying in. From their perspective, I understood what made the house so unique. Unlike most others, Henderson residents didn't have that didn't have year-long meal plans that cost about thousand dollars. Every three months, each student, each resident would contribute two hundred dollars. Every week, the money would go towards groceries. Number two, the food would be used to make dinner for that week. As we continued talking, we ordered pizza. Then we watched the New York Mets game on TV. I started to think maybe that I was worrying over nothing. Most of these games seem great. I thought maybe I'll be, I'll be friends with everyone here. However, as soon as that notion crossed my mind, something happened to change it. Two hours had passed. Bosch, McCurry, and I were sitting in the room eating pizza, enjoying the game. Then, when someone hit a home run, I jumped down on my chair in celebration. But, uh, but as I stood up, someone pulled down my shorts and forced on my boxers to my ankles. There I was, standing in front of the guys with my penis in the wind. 
Curry and Boss just sat, sat there with their jaws dropped and stared at him. From behind me, I heard an obnoxious voice. Welcome to Henderson, newbie, it said. I turned around, and that's how I first met Ron Carney. Sorry, man, he said. I pulled up my shorts. I just couldn't resist. Carney, a junior who majored in forgery, was always one to pull pranks on others. I think he was probably picked on a lot in high school. After all, he was short, fat, and kind of a know-it-all. Don't get it wrong, though. I shared at the same house with this man for two years, and he was a great guy. He was funny, smart, and overall a man. It was just his jokes would get annoying sometimes. Thankfully, though, it wasn't his only target. Hey, where's, where's Hernandez at? He said. Maybe I'll send one of his stuffed animals up the flagpole. When someone said Hernandez was staying at his girlfriend's house, Kearney chuckled. What a little pussy. I offered Kearney beer, but he declined the same thing. What's this thing? For a second, I thought about getting him back. But I said, turn the other cheek. I didn't want to make waves during my first week there. I was fair gobble getting back for all the pranks he pulled anyway. I decided it was my time to exit, so I said goodbye and everybody headed upstairs. As I passed Hurstos and Hernandez's room, I noticed Hurstos was playing Goldeneye. I loved the 007 video game, so I decided to join in. <coughs> he started talking about house records, particularly Hernandez. So what is the deal with your roommate, I asked him, as he passionate about every little thing. Hristos looked up from the screen and gave me a smirk. He's a drama queen, Hristos said. He takes things away too seriously and rubs people the wrong way sometimes. I was, I was bewildered by his response. I don't get it, I said. Hristos went on to explain that Hernandez was like a redhead stepchild of the house. He was always the butt of everyone's joke particularly because Hannah Hernandez was a fifth-year undergraduate. But there were other reasons for vertical. Hernandez missed most of last semester's dinners because he had late afternoon classes, Hurstus said. So he saved him a dinner plate every time. Problem was, somebody kept eating them. After a while, this kept going on. So he decided to stop making food payments. This led to a confrontation between officers and Hernandez. They apologized for the fact that someone kept eating his dinners. But at the present time, Hernandez is still owing them money, and he's fighting them. He's he fighting them over it. Hernandez also pointed out that Hernandez's stuffed animals also got filled with a heckling fire. Look at this man. Hernandez said as he pointed over to the far corner of the room. There in the middle of Hernandez's bed was Shani and three of his stuffed buddies. What kind of guy keeps stuffed animals? Hernandez asked. I mean, I feel like I'm in a fucking nursery. They both laughed. Then suddenly the door flung open. There was Kearney. Stumbling through the doorway. He didn't look good. As a matter of fact, he looked drunk. He dove for the couch. Fortunately, Hernandez and I moved out of the way in, the, out of the way in time. 
Unless somebody encouraged Kern during a half bottle snake, snake bite, a shandy man of Eagle Park's pale ale lager cider. I guess he was right, I said. Maybe it's not his thing. To further prove my point, Kern lunged forward and vomited on Hernandez's stuffed animals. I guess this was Gon's way of saying, Pex a bitch, you asshole. What do you think? I'm sorry, I'm so tired, but yeah. That's a lot of people. You were fucking falling asleep during the whole goddamn thing. No, I was just tired. I was a nice salty up make dinner. And you're tired. <clears throat> That's a lot of people. <clears throat> no, it's a big house. I know, and you eventually narrow it down. Mm -hmm. Do I snore? No, you're up. Okay. Well, so I, I would have stopped the conversation and, and then smacked you if that was the case. Well, don't smack me, but yeah. No, it's it's just a lot of people. And I know that eventually gets narrowed down. You know. It's just something that I probably... I, I have um, a large, I don't write in a large people scope. Who would I eliminate if needed to be? I, I don't know. It depends on who you want to focus on. <sighs> and I feel like that question is going to be answered as we go on with yes. reading it. You know. But at the same time, you don't want to uh, narrow down your focus so much that you kind of lose the, the whole character that is, you know, the student body. I get you. I get you. Did anything stick out of your, your mind? Um. Because I feel terrible about falling asleep. That's what, that's what sticks out right now. It's. It's boring. What? It's boring. Okay. Well, what do you want to change? No. I'm assuming you can... No, that's not what I'm trying to say. I don't want to change anything. Okay. I don't, I don't know what to change. Okay. That's why we have this, so we can, so we can get some force. Okay. <laughs> but um, apparently, if you're falling asleep during this, I have to change something. That, you know, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, I... I probably... I will say this, eventually you'll figure this out from, from a further reading. The closest I get to are the brothers. Yeah. And the uh, Hurstas and Hernandez. Yeah. They became my, my friends throughout the whole thing. But you'll, you'll figure that out in due time. You know, that's that's just... This is a, an alien project to mm -hmm. me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do something that's so people-heavy. Yeah. So, I don't... I wouldn't even be, know where to begin on... Uh, we're going to 
hear. Okay. That noise. I wouldn't even know where to begin for... I mean, that's that's my first solution is cut folks out. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah. We're just two completely different writers. So anyone who has comments, and I suggest you should post them. You can post them on the Anchor app. Yes. And... We should probably commit to, commit this to an end because we have a really long podcast this we week. We have a really long podcast and account for it. And it's time for dinner. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to nap before we go to bed. Because this is how we're doing it this weekend is so much sleeps. Mm-hmm. It's a maze. Yeah. But. I'm going to go run out some errands while you cook pork chops. Yes. I'm going to start the chopping and the cooking. But I'm very glad that we both did so much. Me too. Me too. Okay. Avi, you're Avi. You're Mo. We're going to perfectly most reverse the rest of the day. That means urinate for me. Uh, oh, you can urinate for the rest of the day. Good, good call. I'm gonna urinate right now. Okay, bye. Bye.